Okay, good morning, Faith Fellowship. Uh, if you have your Bible, we'll be turning to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So this is in keeping with our series that we're doing that is along with the church for our principles and ministry. And one of the things that I love that's happening as we've been covering the principles of ministry from the church perspective is to give a perspective that is, that is more broad, right? And kind of tells you how our church operates and, and these safety nets that we have in order to see growth and, and unity and, and all of those things take place. And so when we're covering it in class, though, it gives us an opportunity to personalize it and for us to look at it in a way that says, how does this apply to me and my life right now? And just where I'm at, what do I have going on? Is there something that I need to hear specifically about this? And so this morning's topic is going to be on training leaders. Now, you know what our principle is, is we're always training leaders. But we want to deal with some of the aspects of training leaders. My purpose for you is really to help you with the scope of that training. There is a view, one, of self that needs to be taken in account, but then there's also a view for the generations after you. If we're training leaders, then that means I have to be capable to train, and then I'm looking forward to see some fruit as a result of that training. Does that make sense? So we got to look at those two areas. Our context from this passage is the pastoral, one of the pastoral epistles addressed to Timothy while he was at the church in Ephesus. And so this second Timothy definitely has a personal feel because what we kind of know just historically is this is getting towards the end of Paul's life. And so, again, just as Paul's heart is for his sons in the faith, he wants to be clear with them and have them not miss, come up missing in anything that God might have for them. And so let's read our text this morning. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 7. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Now, just like last time, we started off, our very first verse has a therefore in it, so now you know what we got to do. We got to go back, <laughs> okay? So now let's see what it is that he said, therefore, and why he started this, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And if we go to 2 Timothy 1 and just simply start in verse 15, he says, This thou knowest that all that which were in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of one Sephorus. For he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain, but when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So we see that he makes mention of three names there. 
And of those first two mentioned, uh, Phygelus and, and Hermogenes, you see that he says, in which they are in Asia will be turned away from me. This is something that is um, very hurtful for Paul, for one, his investment just on a personal level. But the other thing is because he's looking at opportunities that get missed out on anybody that he invests in, man, when you turn away from that, that's, what are you doing? I mean, he would just see everything that you're doing in terms of pursuit as second fiddle to whatever it is that the Lord has in front of you. So then he makes sure to let you know once or fourth, my man, he was with me, refreshed me, was not ashamed of my chain. He came to visit him. And when he was in Rome, he sought me out diligently and found me. I mean, man, he doesn't know where Rome is in prison or where uh, Paul is in prison at in Rome. And he's like, man, this guy, he asked around and he came to see me. And so now you begin to understand something just in terms, excuse me, of the emphasis for verse 1 says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because I don't want you to be like those first two. I want you to be like once before us. Refresh me. Refresh me by your faithfulness. And I would just say, listen, this is something that if you are maybe not in tune to, but as you mature in your walk, it is something special for me to look at faces that I saw from KCBT now at MBT, not because they have changed their membership, but simply because I still see them. For me to be able to see Brian Clark or, or Kenny Morgan or, or uh, Dan Renault, any of these guys that I met in that building, man, that's been a long time ago. This is before I got married. And these men are still about it, still in the faith. And so there is absolutely something about wanting to be for the team. You want to have a heart that is praying for your leaders and even your fellow brothers and sisters that sit amongst you just to say, man, how you doing? Are you still about the father's business? And sometimes we get distracted, we get detoured, but ultimately the thing that we get a chance to do is encourage people, hey, come on, be with us. This is why I always have that extended hand invitation to you. Man, to be with us, join us. Because I love it when you're around. And I love it when there's years. And I love it when there's a transition of life and your kids grow up and we get to see them grow up and looking at the, you know, <laughs> Rashawn, who is not, you know, uh, uh, a little guy, was a little guy when I first started coming around. And now he's in college, you know. And so, man, it blesses my heart for that. And so understand that in terms of a perspective. But in terms of our study, Let's just kind of start diving in here and just picking some things to really see what is the Lord trying to tell us here. So in this first thing, he says, thou therefore my son. Now, for those that are not aware, it's not his actual son. It is his son in the face. In first Timothy in the faith, excuse me, first Timothy one, two says unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith, grace, mercy and peace from God, our father and Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this helps us to understand the relationship with Timothy and Paul's motivation. He wanted Tim Timothy to live a life that was well-pleasing to the Lord and to be able to teach others in the same way. You have to understand that it takes that kind of heart in order to see that investment made. 
So here's a great principle for you that I want you maybe to jot down, shorthand in your notes, or just something I want you to kind of log in. Because you know that we always want to turn whatever the Lord is saying into something practical that I can live out. So here is a great parenting principle. We should prepare our children so that they also get whatever God has for them. If your parenting is reactionary and you just respond to events in their life, man, you miss the mark of being able to make investments so that they are prepared for these various things that are going to come into their life. We got to prepare our kids. They need to be prepared to leave our homes, be functioning citizens in society. That means pay taxes, go to work, all of that. Okay, but also, if we have called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we want them to have also have done that and then have shown in our homes how it is that they're going to be about living their faith out. So it matters greatly when Paul says, mine own son. Man, he spent time with Timothy. He taught him. And now, like I had mentioned in terms of our context, he has left him at Ephesus. So this is a spot where Paul doesn't have to be there. Why? Because I taught you well, and I'm just encouraging you now. Keep it up, son. That's how we want to parent. Not bully them. We want to parent them. The other thing is we have to understand we should also prepare for our children, not only to get whatever God has for them, but prepare them to be able to raise their families in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. And that takes a little more thought. So now it's the why behind the commands of your home. Why am I doing this? Why am I telling you this? Uh, You know, that is something that sometimes parents can wrestle with (laughs) a bit. It's just like, do what I say. And it's not a discussion. And absolutely, there are times when you have made a command, cleaning your room doesn't need a dissertation by mom or dad or why that's a good idea, right? But there are times that perhaps in those teaching moments that you get, a, you get an opportunity to tell them, one day you will have your own home. And you want to have your home to be, look presentable, da 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 whatever, whatever. So you want to think in that way that, What you are teaching is what you're teaching teachable. Okay, that's a question that I want you to consider and ask yourself. Is what I'm teaching teachable? See, the thing that this has is that kind of knowledge is multi-generational. It has that viewpoint. And so a lot of times in our walk, I think our viewpoint tends to just be us. And my success, I want to get saved because I want my get out of hell. About society around me or my family around me, I'm just thinking, I'm, hey, I don't want to go to hell. Okay, so once you have that fire insurance, <laughs> there is more to it than just that. And there's something that the Lord has equipped you with and what you are learning in Christ becomes teachable for those around you. Do you have that kind of viewpoint? So when the church says we are always training leaders, well, those of us that are part of the leadership team, that's our heart. But where we want to get it down to is to the people. Is that your heart? Your kids are 
the next generation of our church? Are they ready to lead us? Because I'm, I'm ready to send, up, send under whoever our next senior pastor will be. I can't wait. I love Sam. Keep him as long as we can. Maybe the Lord will just rapture us. We got Sam with us. Praise the Lord. That would be great. But I'm telling you what he's planning on doing. His plan is to make sure that it, we are equipped so that whoever is next is hopefully, prayerfully in the wings. It takes work to think that way. So let me help you this morning just to, if you don't think multi-generational in a little bit, it's just like, I got a need, I need to address that need right now. From a multi-generational view, we can look to our local church because we have a way to learn for ourselves and, and then to take what we have learned and teach others to do the same. And it's not that MBT invented it. They're just doing what the Bible is saying to do. But we do have a vehicle that we do that, where we have the transfer of life from one individual into the next that we're thinking multi-generational. That process is discipleship. That's how we intend to accomplish this. But there's something, again, remember I said there's two viewpoints. So let's focus on the part that where we need the encouragement. Maybe you need that this morning. Okay, that's the big picture view, that ultimately you want to get the word of God in you so that you can make that investment in others and that they will do the same. Okay. But something, y'all, we don't want to forget is that God cares for us and has equipped us to do his work. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. All things. Not some things, not the easy things, not the things I'm most capable, not where I find the most comfort in. All things. And why does he say that? Because what he's asking you to do would be is an impossibility. You can't make anybody do anything, right? Some of us have children that uh, if it wasn't for the discipline that they have received, Lord, help them. <laughs> they try your patience. And sometimes it can feel like this is a lost cause. And, and then maybe you won't even stick to your guns. And you just get distracted and frustrated and you just back off. A lot of parenting, the difficulty of it is just consistency. And the Lord is saying, uh, hey, y'all, just so you're encouraged. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So perhaps it is that we need to bring Christ in the home. and He should be the master supplier of wisdom. Not even what grandma and mama taught you. If it wasn't what the word of God taught you. And listen, y'all know I love my grandma. She's the one that introduced me to the Bible. But there has to be a line. Who, who's, who's God in my life, grandma or the Lord? Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. See, listen, we can't underestimate the value of knowing who Christ is more and more. The older you get, the deeper you should be getting. In terms of that knowledge, there should be some sort of context to your life that says, man, I was, I was in this spot, and it should start with salvation, quite honestly. I was in the spot where I knew that I was going to spend eternity separated from him, and then I called on him because I believe on the name of Jesus Christ. 
and he saved me, and now he has purposed me. So listen, that is the most impossible thing that happened. Nothing else you ask him is harder than that. And that was easy for him. I love the verse that speaks and says he did it once. <laughs> and you don't have to, we don't have to keep going back and, well, we got to kill him again because, man, I just, you don't know how bad I am, Lord. It needs two times. <laughs> He's like, no, I got you. One is one and done. One, 2,000 years ago, not even like one yesterday. <laughs> one and done. Second Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Listen, listen, parents, also shepherds, Bible study leaders, disciple makers. This is hard work. And it can be discouraging in the middle of it. And sometimes you can feel like, are, are the kids even listening? Am I just, why do I have to repeat myself? I just said this. And you want to put your hands around it, but just put in a prayer. Don't do this. Okay. Like this. Okay. Listen, here, here it is. This is what your heavenly father does for you. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And I just think about all the groaning that I may have caused my mother, those individuals that have invested the word of God in me and just how like the frustration that can kind of come up as a result of that and the Lord is saying nah, my grace is sufficient even for that for my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me therefore I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches in necessities in persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake for when I am weak, then I am strong. So, at, at, and you know, listen, for some of us, male or female, it doesn't matter. Some of us like to be capable and good at what we're doing. And the minute you find that weakness, boy, your insecurity rises up like, <laughs> I mean, just straight out of the ground. It's just straight up. And you're like, I'm not good at this. I don't want to do it then. That's, that's how I think. If I'm not good at something, I'm like, man, forget it. Because I don't want to save the embarrassment. I don't want to have to be in a, this kind of desperate spot. And the Lord loves when I'm desperate. I mean, he loves it. See, the, the self-view of this, you notice, is creating a picture for you is that you need to be desperate for the Lord to move on your behalf in these matters that are in front of you. If you're going to train leaders, if you're going to make an investment in the souls of men, it is not easy work, and it will be to the end of you. And only then, when you are at your wit's end and you beg the Lord for his wisdom, give me the answer, how do I help them, what should I do, that the Lord says, okay, now you're ready. Let me tell you what to do. Let me tell you how to be. Call them again. Invite them again. We must be okay with our lack. You notice that I'm sa we're talking about training leaders. I'm not, I haven't said anything about being capable. <laughs> because the Lord is going to do the work. 
Guys, we got to be okay that it's about his glory, not ours. We do like to have our names mentioned in those circles. Those of us at MBT, you know, this is how we know. And we're trying to stop that culture a little bit. But you'll say, I was discipled by so-and-so. Who cares? I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's not, that didn't all of a sudden mention, oh, well, sir, right stuff right here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Or you're like, you're somebody, you're like, oh, well, they're not even in the church, because that is some case. Some people have disciple individuals that are still here, and the discipler is not here. And not because they're a part of another church. We got to really honestly just deal with the weakness that really is where strength can be birthed from. And be okay with that. And so you see that. You see these things that he's saying to, to, to Timothy because, well, he knows. He knows what pastoring is like. He knows the people. If you read through both of those books, you kind of get a window into even Timothy's, one of his things that he wrestles with is, yeah, he sometimes can kind of be afraid of the responsibility of the ministry. And he needs that encouragement. And that's okay. That doesn't disqualify you because sometimes you look at you like, you want me to do what, Lord? <laughs> you know, it's okay. He likes it. Tell him. Now, when we go on, just in verse 2 here, and it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So there are two things I want you to get from here. We teach people good doctrine. The thing that needs to be taught is good doctrine. Now, there's more to it. In Titus 1.9, he says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So if you want to make sure that your kids are equipped, tell them what the Bible says. You want to make sure that your Bible uh, study group is equipped? Tell them what the Bible says. Disciplers, tell them what the Bible says. Now, honestly, we can't just stop right there because we know people who are good at that. They can tell you what the Bible says, but this next part, they are lost on. The next thing from that that we need to look at is we teach people how to live. So you got to teach people the practical side of things. And listen, this kind of opens the door for me to just say this. There may be some times that you need to get with your Bible study leader, your discipler, maybe your pastor or fellowship leader, in my case, because you don't actually know how to put a budget together. And we need to show you how to do that. Maybe it is that you're using the resources in this church in order to figure out mom's group has been incredible for new moms because the more mature mothers have basically go, hey, it's okay. You can cry in this space. <laughs> We're going to tell you what to do. Get back out there. It's okay. God has blessed you. You're a mother now. And so... There is something really practical to this part of it. Check it out. In 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 14, it says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, 
manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endure, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus uh, shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I, that verse, that whole pa is just incredible. But if you have to notice something, see, now training leaders, think about it means I got to get close enough so somebody can see that. I can't just have my good church clothes on, my good church lingo. We say all the right things, and old oh, brother, and side hugs, and all of that. No, you got to get close. And surely, every time, every time that I've discipled somebody, the Lord brings a little uh, trial or some sort of thing our way that needs to be mentioned in, the, in the, 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 the connection that we have with that, you know, couple or individual. Why? Just so I can tell them this is how I'm, I'm planning to go through this. And they can see me going through it, however difficult it may be. Those things, guys, we got to let people in, and there needs to be a certain amount of vulnerability that allows that in. So now if you, if you put the two things together and think about there is a, Humility aspect that my weakness absolutely needs to be in front of me and that I embrace it and say, okay, because the Lord is my strength. But my weakness doesn't need to come from the fact that I just refuse to obey the Lord and now I'm going to try to train a leader. That's You will train somebody and they will come out just like you. Be careful. Be careful. You want to teach people what it looks like to have victory in Jesus Christ on a day-to-day -day basis. Not because you're the awesome example, but because the Lord is also changing you. Let them understand that process. Paul makes it clear, you know what, you know what I teach and how I had to apply it to my life. I love that when he said that, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life. Man, you saw just how I, how I do what I do, whether what his quiet time with the Lord was like, any of those things, just the, his pursuit, all of that was on display. We got a chance to see it even. The Lord recorded it for our benefit. And so we understand this guy isn't just saying just lip service. This will get us from being that kind of glossy, um, fake Christianity, and it, get, it gets down to something real that people can have handles to and say, okay, I, I see how this is. You know, it pains me, man, when you drive through the city and literally, I mean, it, it, there's like churches scattered all over the place. There might even be two within a proximity of less than five to two miles apart. And you look at the urban core of which I came from, and I'm like, man, is it what's happening? What are we doing? And so, man, listen, it's just because we got to get in there. You got to get your hands dirty if you're going to train leaders. And they got to see, they got to know you <laughs> also.
even as they're learning who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Perhaps from that example uh, that you show them, they might find out more about Christ. Ever thought about that? It encourages people to see you deal with trials biblically. It really does. He gave warning, verses 12 and 13. Understand something that we have. If we're going to live godly, we should understand something. I think we mentioned that last week. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall. Remember, we know that's a legal term. If shall is mentioned, it has to happen, whatever follows. Well, that means you shall suffer persecution. So there's no, no, none of this. I'm blessed and highly favored um, because things are going my way. I'm blessed and highly favored because I have the Lord Jesus Christ, period. says that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You have to understand the implication here also what discipleship is capable of doing is dealing with those men that wax worse and worse. See, we need more individuals out there that know what the word of God says and know how to live godly lives so that they will get out in whatever sphere of influence that they may have and also share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Invite them to church. Invite them to Bible study. They need your help. And then, of course, the last thing in 14 there is just the encouragement. It says to continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. My students sometimes at school have a thing. When pressure comes their way, they start abandoning the things that I taught them in class for making a good weld. And then what happens is they just get more frustrated. Because a lot of times you just think that application one time of, of truth means that it's going to work out the way you want. Nope, the Lord wants to see consistency in you. So my braggarts, my golden arm welders that come to me and they bring me their examples and I say, do it again. Because <laughs> I'm not impressed with one and done in that way. Neither is the Lord. Verse 3, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. Man, this is telling us to be like a soldier. But we got to understand where does that strength come from? And we kind of looked at it already. But again, well, you need to hear it again. Because I know, I know you're going through challenging things. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Listen, underline it in your Bible. Highlight it in your app whatever, but mighty through God. You can't do it. <laughs> you can't do it. Just be okay with that. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Then he gives you instruction, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I got to throw it down and enslave that thought process. You know how your mind is, especially when you're under pressure. You got difficult things that you're dealing with. And it, boy, it is interesting how... Toxic thoughts can just invade your mind no matter what you're doing. You could be at work. You could be eating lunch. You could be in the car. And if you get any space, open space, boy, your mind will just 
How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? You know you don't know what the answer is. You don't have enough money for this. You got to figure out something else. Maybe you should do it. Save yourself. God's not going to help you. You already prayed about this Monday. Now it's Sunday when you're having this conversation. You didn't revisit it between Monday and Sunday. I know. My mind works the same way. It tells you what to do. Throw it down. It didn't say set it down. It said throw it down. <laughs> Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And what? And in the power of his might. Not mine. I don't have any power. He's got the power. And so this gives us three examples because now there's a bit of a shift and he's going to use these examples as ways to kind of communicate some important truth about training leaders. And so we're going to see these in the next three verses, four, five, and six. And so with that, let's get our first key point. Training leaders requires sacrifice like that of a soldier. Training leaders requires sacrifice like that of a soldier. Verse 4 says, No man that warth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Notice something very important. The soldier is preoccupied with war, not really with the life outside of war. See, this is the problem a little bit, I think, with sometimes why it is difficult for us to live godly lives is because I'm trying to be at war and be in the world and present and doing the thing and up on top of this topic and all of that. And the Lord is just saying, let it go. If we went in a battlefield, let's just say in particular the war that we know is going on between Ukrainians and Russians, and we said, hey, hey, um, do you guys know, any of you guys know if Chris Jones has signed his contract with the Kansas City Chiefs? What are you talking about? <laughs> right? Like, what are you even talking about? But the thing is, is like we like to, we like to try to find this fine line where I'm, I'm getting the pleasures of life and what I want to enjoy, but I also want to kind of experience the pleasures of whatever it is that the Bible has said are pleasurable. And I really haven't tasted enough to really know if it's pleasurable, and it really just seems like hard work, so I'm kind of going to see you later, Lord. I'll be over here at work. If you're going to train leaders, man, you've got to have a focused mindset. You've got to understand why you're engaged in that battle in the first place. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 12 says, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. It's a double whammy. It's like the game. No whammies. You got two of them. It's almost over. It's three, right? And then the game is over. <laughs> a temptation and a snare. And then to many foolish, well, there's the third one. Foolish hurts, hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which will, while some coveted after they have erred, from the faith. Now, man, consider the love of money. Like my pursuit of like, man, I don't have enough, which is why, again, see, let me just promote the, the resources we have available to you at church. We can teach you how to use a budget and give a biblical viewpoint on it. 
So that way you will just start to understand, oh, it is not my lack of funds, it's my lack of knowing what to do with said funds is the real problem. That is, man, like 99% of the time, that is the problem. You just don't know, you know, your money doesn't have a place to land. So you get too much Starbucks in a week. Them drinks is three fifty or more a pop. It adds up. <laughs> they just milkshakes anyway. Starbucks is terrible. <laughs> that's that's my kick. I'm not anti Starbucks. I, I am a, a little. <laughs> not too good for it. It's just not very good. <laughs> and so, but just understand something that you err from the faith with that. Here's how that works. Okay, I know some of you are like, well, why would that? I need to be a good worker. True. Absolutely. I will tell you if you're in discipleship with me that if you are uh, called on the name of Jesus Christ, that essentially the way that you should view work is it is a benefit having a believer in Jesus Christ be a part of that company. You work. You're good. You're timely. You can come under budget. All of that. You can deal with the pressures of of difficult conversations, all of those things. Why? Because you have a biblical viewpoint. So it should, it should be beneficial to the world, okay? But the air from the faith part is really simple in terms of that pursuit of money. What happens is, is you trade the opportunity that the Lord has for you to work on his kingdom for the hours spent working on your kingdom. And generally, what the, what the enemy does is create Poor schedules. Somehow, you can't make it on Sunday, Tuesday, or any day that your Bible study meets. And you know what I'm saying. I Listen, I'm not attacking anybody, but it's just the truth of the matter. Right? And so, it's something that you have to understand. That would be an error from the faith. Why? Because you need to be here. So that we can tell you how to live and tell you about the opportunities that you can be involved in. It says, and they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Man, I've never met a, a brother or sister in Christ that was missing church regularly, have a good life. Not one. If it did, it was for a short time. It's like a trailer to that movie, you know. Trailers get you all hyped up, and then you watch the movie, you're like, that was terrible. <laughs> you know? Right? So, it said, I love this in verse 11, though, man. It says, but thou, O man of God, boy, it's just a reminder. Hey, this is who you are. That's what that statement means to me. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love. Patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Your church attendance matters because it encourages not only you, but the people that are watching you, the people that are sitting with you people that you invite. Soldier is focused. And he understands that he needs to set those things out that kind of are just like shiny lights, you know, 
We can kind of go, oh, shiny, you know. Laura's like, no, get over here, because I'm the light. That's not even actual light. That's tinfoil. I'm, I'm the real light. He's focused on winning the war because he seeks to please the one who sent him to war in the first place. So again, this goes back to your reliance on where, it, where is it coming from? Is it on your capability and ability, or is it on the Lord himself? who is the one who's giving you this ministry of reconciliation. Key point number two, training leaders requires attention to detail like that of an athlete. Verse five says, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully? To put it in a, just in a, a, a more, you know, words that we kind of understand in today's world, if a man also competes for victory, he won't be crowned unless he competes properly. Well, I was thinking about runners. There's a lot of rules to running. You don't think about it, right? But the one thing is, is like you can't just drift into somebody else's lane. That's a disqualification. You can't just start the race. If they have a gun and everybody's getting ready, if you go before, I have watched heartbreak on display in the Olympics because somebody jumped before that gun went and you it is game over everything you train for is lost in milliseconds listen training leaders requires detail and when runners don't understand that detail they don't win races so the thing that you have to, you kind of have to grasp here is an athlete knows what it takes to be victorious. And so this goes back to, do you know your word? Do you know how to be victorious in this way? Or do you feel like you're at the mercy of individuals and whatever it is that they want you to do or not to do, especially like your children? You are in control. So you have to take that control back. Even if you have handed it to them because you were tired, the consistency lacked, it happens, man. It happens. And they know they are waiting. <laughs> they are waiting. <laughs> oh, you, you're tired? One time, so we babysat uh, <laughs> Tegan uh, one time. And they said, the Kimball said, listen, read her story, put her to bed, we'll be back. Serene, we, we were in there watching E.T., which is cute, because she's like, watch this, watch this. I'm like, little girl, I've seen this movie a thousand times. Like, <laughs> before you, I saw it in the theater. Like, get out of here. You know, but it was so sweet, right? So we're eating popcorn. Everything's going good. Good girl. No trouble, right? Bedtime comes. Serene goes in there. I'm like, man, what in the world? I don't know. Babe, what was it, like three or four books? <laughs> Waiting for that consistency to drop off. Oh, you don't know. You're not mommy or daddy. You don't know my tricks. <laughs> I'm going to have you read every book because you want to be a good aunt. Because <laughs> I don't want to go to bed. <laughs> and so, you know, so we told the Kimball. She didn't get in trouble, obviously. You know, it was all good. They just kind of laughed like, yeah, you guys. I'm like, yeah, we just suckers, man. <laughs> so listen, it happens. It happens. And you know what? Sometimes it's good to, in a gracious way, just because you know what? I realize. They want time with us. When they do stuff like that, it's because they're like, I, but can I just have a little bit more of you? Oh, man, that's sweet. 
Now, I still want you to go to bed, but, <laughs> you know, because then it's a problem waking you up in the morning, right? But, like, that's, okay, so you don't have to be a jerk about it, but, like, there's just a, hey, cutoff time. Hey, this is what it is. You know what time it is. One more book, that's it. Go to bed, okay? Consistency. Detail. <laughs> you got to know, you got to know detail, man. And so, in 1 Corinthians, you know, it says, Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain, and have every man that strive for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, that is uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I'm not just out here shadow boxing. No, I'm in the fight. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. See, listen, the detail matters. And the details of your own personal life matter so much. Don't disqualify yourself by your own behavior for the opportunity that the Lord has given you to train leaders. Tighten up, so we say at work. Those of us that work construction understand that. It's, quick, it's a quick statement. You out of bounds, you out of line, tighten up. And it, okay. Whatever I was doing is not the right thing. <laughs> so I need to do the right thing. Okay? And it's like a bolt. You tighten it down, it's tight, it's ready to go, right? And so, maybe you just need to hear that this morning. Tighten up. The Lord is watching. <laughs> Last key point. Training leaders requires work, patience, and diligence like that of a farmer. Training leaders requires work, patience, and diligence like that of a farmer. Verse 6 says, the husband, husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Now, this is a great study you can look at. And what you're going to find out about the husbandman is that God is the husbandman ultimately over the earth, and he's looking for precious fruit that would come back, essentially back to him, be reconciled through his son, Jesus Christ. We can also see, and this fits in line doctrinally with just dispensational theology, that we get to be husbandmen. And so you have stewards that the Lord has left in place and then how they treat it. So this farmer idea principle is something that the Lord is saying, hey, I'm leaving this in your hands to do something about. I've equipped you, I've given you the field, I've given you the seed, now go do the work, right? Isaiah 28, 24 through 26 says, Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? Doth he open and break the clouds, a clod, excuse me, of his ground? When he hath made the plain face thereof, doth he not cast abroad the fitches and scatter the cumin and cast in the principal wheat? I mean, look at all this work. <laughs> I mean, all of these things have to happen. Farmers just don't sit and look at seed on the uh, table like, I want some potatoes. <laughs> well, okay, I want some. I don't know what to do with these seeds here. No, they're going to go. They're going to break the ground up. They're going to put it in the ground. They're going to put water on it. The Lord's going to add sun to it. I mean, there's this whole process that takes place. And don't miss this part. He said, in casting the principal wheat and the pointed barley and the rye in their place, Here's here again, back to our Lord. For his God doth instruct him to discretion and doth teach him. Listen, the things that don't try to reinvent the wheel, just say what the Lord has told you. 
Just understand, it will take work to do that. But rely very heavily on your word. Man, that's the principal source of what you're teaching. James 5, 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waited for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. See, listen, the other side of this is, is not only does it take work, it takes patience. And discipleship, a lot of times can, yes, I know it's 18 lessons, but it could take 18 months. It could take two years. It could take as long as it needs to take. We don't just, because our kids are 18, say, well, I know some of you maybe, maybe have an attitude that's like, when you were 18, Joker, you are out of here. <laughs> okay, don't do that. Let them stay as long as they need to. Because the thing is, is like, make sure they are good so that they don't come back and then be bringing kids with them and all that stuff, right? You're like, I need to get you out of here. Now you came back with more. <laughs> you know? And so, and man, I, my grandmother loved me and she saw me a lot. <laughs> a lot. But, man, mom was prepared. She did that duty. Monday through Friday, I was with Mama. The weekend, the best time, of course, I was with Grandma, right? So it was like easy for her, but Mama was putting in work. And so, listen, this is the last thing I just want to say real quick. The last consideration. Maybe you're asking yourself now, what can I do to be a part of building God's kingdom through discipleship? All right, the first thing is, is get discipled, okay? A lot of you, we had COD, we got some people that are still waiting to be paired up, and we're going to be working through that. Pastor James and I principally are the ones that are looking at that until, at some point, we can entrust that to somebody else to be our liaison. Uh, right now, he and I are doing that. The next thing is, listen, I want y'all to finish Foundations 2 and 3. Okay? Finish Foundations 2 and 3. The next thing that we need to do is apprentice. Some of y'all, it's been a long time since you've been discipled, and so you feel a little bit uneasy about it. And you're like, uh, I, I know the material, but I haven't, it's been a while. So what we need to do is when we pair up, we need to pair up apprentice relationships that gets you back on the horse. It gets you to know the new um, material. And then you also just get to see how it is to go about doing that, okay? And so... What we're going to kind of do is just try to track that a little bit better so that we can do that. And, uh, and then after that is be a willing disciple. Okay? I know I kept you long. Thank you for giving me your attention. I love you. But let's, let's focus on those things, okay? Get disciple. Foundations two and three. Apprenticeship relationships. Okay? Make yourself available for those things. We'll be looking at it in the coming weeks. We'll be talking to you. Getting you ready for that. I love you. You're dismissed.